Hey everyone, welcome back to the Contextual Insurgent Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Smith. One reason I started the Contextual Insurgent Project back in 2020 was I wanted to have a place where I could write and talk about my studies of successful and unsuccessful movements and organizations throughout history. How do you press for political change? What tactics work? Do you pick economic, political, or cultural tactics? How does this work at the local level? How does it work at the state level? And what about the national level? I feel like it was very topical in 2020. And I feel like it's even more so now in 2023, given current events. So this is why I think today's interview is so exciting. I'm joined by Roger Lomjack. He's a Kansas-based activist who never thought he would ever be one of those things. Roger, like many of you, started 2020 with a job and kids in school and living a normal life. And as the pandemic went on, he found himself faced with an increasingly unreasonable local government and eventually had to start making choices of how he was going to respond. Well, one of the things the local government wanted to do was to force the children to stay in masks longer than necessary. So Roger got together with a group of local parents. They created an organization that pressed the local government to change the policy. And once they successfully accomplished that goal, they were like, why stop here? You know, we're, we're winning and we're successful. Let's keep going and see what we can do. Well, they took over the local Republican Party. They replaced a bunch of officials. They flipped a purple county red in the 2022 election. And now Roger actually has a decent amount of influence with his state party and even some influence with the state government. So it's exciting to sit down with Roger because we have a good discussion about the lessons he learned, um, the mistakes he made, and a lot of the basic steps you need if you're interested in reproducing his success in your own locality. So without any more ado, I'm going to go ahead and let Roger start in his own words. And the school year started for my kids who were go to a Catholic school in the town where I'm from, and the school announced that they were not going to require masks on the kids. And a bunch of us parents are like, heck yeah, it's about time. And then two days before school, they did a take back and announced that they were going to require masks. And a lot of us kind of freaked out over that and were pretty upset. And it turns out that the school was doing that because they didn't feel like they had a choice based on what the county health officer was telling slash forcing them to do. And that's that's when I I realized that somebody needed to do something, you know, that old that old saying somebody ought to do something. And I finally realized realized that maybe it was time for me to do something. So I got some friends of mine together and started figured just, all right, let's put together this group and try to start actually pressuring the county government and the, the county health officer to change their tune. This was right in uh, kind of, when was this, August and September of 2021, when the White House press secretary was coming out saying that they were that they were going to work with social media groups and even with cell phone carriers to try to combat the spread of misinformation. Um, I think at the time the DNC even put out a thing saying they were going to try to help get cell phone carriers to monitor text messages to prevent disinformation or misinformation from being sent out. So it's like, well, obviously I'm not, I'm not going to trust a Facebook group to, to fight something like this with the atmosphere that was going on and, and it's still going on where, where Facebook will censor so much stuff. And as we found out now that, Musk took over Twitter, how much censorship was going on in the Twitterverse. And, and so I used Signal, uh, the Signal messaging app to do this, knowing that at least with that, everything's end-to-end encrypted. 
so that not even the cell phone carriers can know what you're sending to each other. And that that gave us a a secure means of being able to talk without worrying about messages being cut off or censored or or um, just stopped before they get to their destination. I mean, I think any, anybody who's followed the news has seen things where like Google um, Google is able to scan every image that's sent. Facebook can do this too, to, to identify potential kitty porn, right? You know, yeah. good, good for them because that's something horrible that should be stopped. But just knowing that that happens tells us how unsecure or how heavily monitored our, our communications, interactions, and interactions are between people, regardless of what the reason is that we're that we're talking, that it's it's so heavily monitored and controlled and only approved messaging can get through. I've I know af- after this is all over, I talked to some mm. friends of mine who were involved in who got involved in their county Republican Party, started using a Gmail account to send out information to their to the people in their Republican County Party and Gmail shut them down. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I remember you telling me that and I was like. That's getting that's wild. You know, there, there's these you have to be very selective about the way you communicate. Right. You they, know, yeah. Google literally deactivated their their Gmail account and said, you're you're no longer allowed to use this account. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they do this like with web hosting now. And um, there's people who have been deplatformed from from their websites and stuff. And like this is something that you have to think of. It's like because it is important to get people together where they can communicate, you know, and they can they can reinforce each other because you need, people need to know that they're not alone. You know, like there's other people who think the way, same way. And, yep, because, and that was that, mm-hmm. that exactly what you said there was a point that I think really motivated people to get involved. Once he showed that we were starting to make some ground that they, so many people for so long felt like they were the only ones, you know, that the COVID thing specifically was the, was the, the issue that brought us together. But I think people in, uh, um, especially on the right side of the political spectrum, kind of have this sense that they're so isolated from the message that's broadcast over media that they never they they never feel like they have other people that they that relate to them yeah no that's that's huge it's like the you know the reinforcement and the morale is much better when you have a group of people that they agree and they all think the same and, and you know or at least agree they don't have to think the same but as long as they agree on this important point you know um and they can like okay i'm not alone it keeps the morale up it keeps you know it's and it's a huge thing for like supporting one another as well. You know, it's um, uh, another thing with this too, is like not just the, the banning everything from the internet, but like these people are, they're, you know, reinforcing each other, keeping their morale going. Um, and yeah. that's important. And another thing too, is like, you know, with Facebook, you see this on Facebook, you, you get people that are, though I add complete randos as well. And that's another thing that makes it more difficult because there's number one, you know, you get banned from these platforms, and number two, the security is often crap. So people will start adding complete random people to the group, right. and the next thing you know, like the people you don't want finding out about whatever your plan is, even if it's like completely like, and not even saying it's anything illegal, just saying like what you're doing is completely normal, justified. Right. But you don't you don't like, want don't the want... other side to know what you're doing. Yeah, and and that's and a that's thing too. Yeah, is the, that's the, something the, that we. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. No. Um, yeah. When when this started up and I decided to use Signal, my kind of going back to what you talked about with the way the the left is organized stuff using you know the so called affinity groups that I, I told people only invite people that you know agree with you one hundred percent and are absolutely on board and ready to do something, not just somebody who's gonna who's gonna post a bunch of garbage, but 
people are actually willing to make a stand to show up when they're needed to, to write letters, to, to be active members. I'm, you know, I was at that point, I was really looking for the people who are going to be the doers, not just talkers. Oh, absolutely. A big part of that too. And what, what's, what's so important. And I want to say this explicitly, like what you're doing was you were basically pre-vetting people. And that's exactly. something that left does. It saves them a lot of trouble because the, what an affinity group does is it's essentially pre-vetting people that are already compatible with the way right. you think and what you want to accomplish. And there, the and there were right, right yep. people do. Let's just dump a bunch of people in a group and then, then let's try to vet everyone. And I'm like, that doesn't work that way. You want to, you want to build, you know, a group of people or you at least want to have a group of people that are all compatible and then you right. start picking people from the group. Right. And that, you want to have that, that common cause. Yeah. Yeah. This and is we, why the left is so much more, um, you know, their operational security is better. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. And we, and we had we had a couple of instances of that being a problem early on where somebody would let somebody in who was who was not all in. And it, uh, you know, after, after realizing what was going on, I just removed them from the group. It was it, it was. Yeah, you're, you you don't want to like you said, it's not not that anything illegal is going on. And I made sure to make that an explicit part of of what I told everybody when they joined the group. But but that when we're planning a strategy, we don't want the people that we're going up against to know what we're going to do before that before we do it. It grew really rapidly. I think when when we started out, I had uh, me and me and a couple of buddies got a few more in, and then the the our county health officer made the mistake of having a open to all parents of the school meeting, and that was a PR nightmare for him, and really motivated parents to get involved. And so it, my my group's membership exploded. We we rapidly grew in in the span of of I don't know maybe a month from from double digits up to over three hundred people or close to three hundred people. Nice. You're not just adding complete internet randos. You're adding people that you know in real life. Right. And Somebody has to vouch for you. Yeah. They have to be vouched for. And and that's that's phenomenal. That's a huge thing. And you had and that's was a big part of what you were able to accomplish was you started with a solid base of reliable people. You didn't have any real saboteurs in the group. You didn't have people that were going to leak. Everyone's kind of on board. So at this point, you know, you've got this group of people that are motivated. You know, you've got 300 plus people in this group. They're motivated. They're all on board. Now, tell me how you started using this to, like, influence your local government, how you started using it to force local change. So in, initially, um, I felt like we weren't ready to do public appearances, but we, we had a couple of in-person meetings. We had lots of back and forth discussion on signal and some, something I'll say real quick about any kind of a discussion group or a messaging group like that. The big advantage to one like that is that people can have back and forth discussions. Some, some Facebook situations are set up so that it's kind of a one-way discussion and then you can have an argument in the, in the, uh, the comments section, but it's, it's harder to have a, an ongoing conversation. And that's where that's where maybe signal was better that way. And it's the downside is it's just one long string of text messages back and forth. But the advantage is it can be a rolling conversation. Yeah, and people, no, people can have lots of back back and forth. They they feel part of it is that everybody feels like they're getting to say their piece and everybody's getting to kind of vet vet ideas. Yeah, I think a big thing from signal, too, that people don't really think about is, you know, if you, when you set your I'm in some signal and. We've got our messages set to delete at a certain time, like at 12 or 24 hours. Yep. Yeah, so you can have these disagreements 
and then the, the conversation moves on and then it gets deleted and it's much easier to kind of like leave that behind mm-hmm. because it's, 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 it's asynchronous conversation because people aren't necessarily speaking to each other in real time, but there is a time limit to it. And I feel like in Facebook with, with Facebook groups, you can have these rolling arguments on a post that lasts for like weeks. And <laughs> yeah. that's one of the good things is like signal. You can set it up where it kind of, Keeps sure, it has a time. Yeah, things expire. Yeah. yeah, it keeps everything more focused. Yeah, See, tell me about this local group, like the local, like how you started pressure because you had these people, and you started immediately pressuring the local government. Yeah, like the county health officer. So we we started off um, just uh, the initial thing was calling the county commissioners, meeting with them in person, talking to you know private back kind of backdoor stuff or or you know behind the scenes stuff. Nothing, nothing public at that point. Um, and then ended up deciding you'd create a Facebook page, not for the purpose of, of planning a strategy, but using it as outreach to other people. And because the county health at that time was putting their stuff out every week or every day on face on their Facebook page with a Facebook page, we could respond. And, and so I started, you know, going after on their Facebook page posting, putting whole, um, shooting holes in the, the things that they were doing, like their, their control measures and their, the stuff that made no sense. Um, and, and by that started making them have to adjust their plan based on the things I was pointing out that made no sense. Okay. So that helped. Yeah. yeah. So you started pushing back and like your objective here, like what was your initial objective? Like, you know, I know there was a lot of the, the, the health officers orders, like tell me the specific ones that really kind of like, you know, the, the masking was a big one. Right. The masking was huge. Getting getting masks off of off of the kids in school. That was that was the big number one mission. OK, so, yeah. So you've got this stuff going on. One of the things, too, like I know we we're talking about earlier is, um, you know, you have this group of people so you can kind of mob these Facebook. You, you can tell these people to mob. Sure. Facebook. Send them a link and then tell them, hey, hit. Hit us this post. Yeah. Next thing you know, they're getting swarmed by local parents. Yeah. And there's, there's, it's, it, it, granted, it was, you know, it's, it's organic in the sense of everyone honestly believes that, but it's also coordinated. So it makes, you know, appear like it's, you know, granted, it's a little bit more coordinated, but it's an an, an expression of organic feeling. And Mm -hmm. because you're able to target and coordinate people, it, it does do more pressure and it makes it appear like it's even an even larger group than it may necessarily be. Yeah. so, let, you know, let me you give start, you a, a little sidebar there. Um, at different times when I was going back and looking through some historical Facebook posts on the county health department's page, I started going back and reading them. And I was like, holy crap, the same people that are in my group were also posting on the health department's Facebook page, opposing these measures, each doing it on their own. And, you know, I go back through a post that has 50 or 80 comments. And I was like, I know that person. I know that person. I know that person. I know that person. And they're all saying the same things that we were saying as a group. But, of course, when it was just a random person here and there, it it didn't have the same impact as when they were using a coordinated message and really bombarding something like that. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you had these people that, you know, it's stuff they legitimately believed in, organic belief. But you're like, hey, let's all coordinate this where it's a little bit more, you know, a little bit more efficient and effective at pre- doing this. Like you're, what you were doing there really was a pressure campaign. Yeah, like, hey, we all believe this stuff. It's it's completely organic. We're not astroturfed, but let's coordinate this stuff so that we're coming across more effectively. 
and exactly. we're able to do more of a pressure campaign. Maybe you yep. have like talking points, specifically the points you want to hit, mm-hmm. you know, and it just makes it, even though you've got basically the same people that were doing it on their own because you're all kind of working together, it's more effective. Yep. So we, um, we started off with that and then decided it was, it was time to actually make a public appearance at the, with the county commissioners. We were kind of forced into it where there was a point where we finally masks came off of the kids. And, but then one of the commissioners said that based on discussions with the health officer and the superintendents, if they decided masks had to go on, they were going to stay on until, until the kids were vaccinated. And we, we weren't going to stand for that. And so decided, all right, we gotta, we gotta go this week, like in, like in five days or four days or whatever, we're going to go, we're going to go to the County commission. Yeah, this is a huge one. I think this is a, a big step you did. You know, you, you, one of the things you did with the Facebook messages and coordinating everyone was it was kind of a shit test for the people in the group because you're saying like, okay, who really means this? Who's, who's right. just been in the group? Who's willing to actually at least start taking some action? We're going to coordinate and do internet campaigns. Now, let's see about these people that are motivated if they're willing to take the next step yeah, and actually start doing in real life stuff. Now, I think and this is in person part. Right. Yeah, I think this is a huge, a huge thing here. You did have here because, you know, you basically organized a protest, but you didn't just do like, hey, let's just show up and start protesting. You know, you had a real plan here. And yeah, you we, we definitely laid it out. Yeah, this is this is huge. I think this is a big step. And you did it properly. And just tell, tell me about all this stuff, how you did it. When when we decided to go to the county commission, I, I knew that it needed to be a smooth organized effort, not just chaos, because that's, I've, you know, I've seen some things like that where it's just a chaotic situation where nobody really knows who's going to talk or anything else. And so we spent a couple of days on our discussion group figuring out, okay, who's going to speak and what subject are they going to speak about? Like one's, one's maybe going to be a mom with kids who have, who have suffered developmentally or medically from the mask mandates or from the isolation, stuff like that. Um, one's going to be from from one or two kids who have suffered, you know, their their direct personal stories. Some are going to be maybe from a teacher who's seen issues and and um, and then maybe from a, a business owner or a parent. And then and then I kind of was the was the wrap up after after those people had each given their their speech. I mean, you know, we so I didn't like, you know, monitor. I, I did not try to control people's speeches, just said, hey, keep it short, keep it to this, you know, and then you know, do what you think is right. And, and everybody kind of came up with their own, with their own speech within those confines and it worked perfectly. Yeah, that's great. Like you, you don't have to mic. And this is one thing, you know, it's like sometimes there's, there's no control at all of that, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to micromanage. And this is something I see that like a lot of lefty groups do is like there are people that they're going to, they're selected speakers. They know the theme and, you right. know, and, and there's coordination on who's going to hit what points. Um, and they all know what they're going to say. Or, you know, you, one of the things you have to be aware of is if you just tell people, okay, you're going to speak and you don't give them any guidance. I've seen people get up there and just completely like fail. Cause once you get up there in front of a crowd, if you've never done any public speaking, Oh, that can be nerve wracking. It's, it's easy. Yeah. It's easy to get super nervous and, and start freaking out and say the absolute wrong thing that can be mis- misinterpreted or, or, become a, you know, a Twitter clip that goes viral or something. <laughs> now that happens so many times and you don't have to micromanage people, but you need to be able to like tell them, okay, 
we're going to coordinate what we're saying here. You know, these are the points we're going to hit. Um, so you had those people lined up. Now, the people who weren't speaking, now this is this is a huge thing, I think, too, that you had a lot more people there than, than just the speakers. Yeah, uh, we had. Tell me how you coordinated all this and, and how this stuff worked and, and what their job was, because they weren't just because these people had a job, too. You gave right. everybody, everybody had a job, right? So yeah. we we knew who was going to hold signs, um, and we we also knew that the courtroom, or sorry, the 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 commissioner's meeting room could only hold like twenty five people, maybe maybe thirty. I don't know, whatever, a fairly small number. And that I I at least was hoping at that point I I didn't know who was going to show up, but I hoped that we were going to have a big overflow crowd. And so I said, all right, well we need to make sure the speakers are inside. So they, they all sit inside the room and then whoever else can fit in the room is awesome. But then the, the, the overflow is going to have to be in the hallway outside, still, still inside the courthouse, but not inside the building. And so with, with that, I said, well, how, how are they going to know what's going on? We knew that the, that the County commission meetings were live streamed. So we had the, the plan was for people to be watching that. Um, it was only later we realized that with the the delay, that wasn't very helpful because there's, I don't know what it was, maybe a five second delay or something. It made it kind of hard to follow along. But I also had people inside the meeting room who were texting information to the people outside, letting them know when it was time to clap or cheer or when it was time to boo. And, you know, we, I didn't want anybody to get stupid and, and cause trouble, but we wanted them to be loud enough the commissioners and the the county government people realized that we were not the only people there inside the room, that there were a lot of people outside and, and it worked. It was extremely effective, I think. Yeah, it sounds like I mean, this is, you know, you had you had people picked out to hold signs and with with, you know, specific messaging yep. that you wanted to get across. And you had people actually like coordinating when to cheer and, and you know, and communicating to the people outside. Which is tremendous, you know. This is this is one of the things, of course, because you organized this in the signal group. The county commissioners had no warning this was happening. It wasn't like there was this big thing on Facebook where you, because I see this Correct. again. So many times people create a Facebook event and they're like, "We're going to go protest whatever," and then they invite a ton of people, um, and everyone sees it coming, you know. But when it's completely out of the blue and they have no warning, there's there's, you know, it's it's sometimes they'll do stuff like we, you see this where they'll bring in like they'll like the count like whatever level of government will be like, okay we may have a crowd here so let's bring in a bunch of extra police officers and security and we'll set up a special protest zone that's outside of the area like right. they'll do a lot of stuff to diffuse what you're trying to do because yep. they see it coming and, and it's also yep. a mental preparation on their end because they're like kind of expecting some drama but if they don't see it coming and it's just there they can't prepare anything they're not mentally prepared for, for what they're facing. They don't have, they, they have zero other than the normal security situation. They don't have extra stuff. And it's, they, they're kind of over, they, they're overwhelmed. You know, it's not something that they expect. Yeah. And you just hit it out of the blue. It, it's a lot more powerful that sure. way. And it's, and you know, when, when you say security, it's not like there was ever any, any danger of, yeah, of no, the of people in my group getting stupid or, you know, pulling in a teeth and start chucking Molotovs. Oh, These absolutely. are, um, but I think it was very effective having people get a little, you know, a little bit rowdy in the sense of louder than, than normal, normal, polite, uh, political speaking. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. and 
you definitely a, a large part of any crimes large... or anything but it was yeah it's one of those things of what i've seen is even when even if like there's no intention for that like they will still do this do stuff like they'll have a bunch of extra police there and their whole job is just to keep you away you know right. and you can't be effective that even if like you have no intention like you which of course your people are were but like even if like that was your completely peaceful intention just the fact that there's tons of extra police there and it kind it's of dampens things away and that's right. another thing too is like it, it just the fact that like if they had known not only could they have mentally prepared but they could told them told themselves you know wow i've got extra police here anyway i, don't, I can just completely ignore these people but yes kind of the whole thing of just being overwhelmed when they haven't prepared at all for that and they weren't able to defuse your protest at all um, and they weren't able to do any sort of extra preparation. It's just more mentally impactful as a pressure campaign right. because they, they, they can't do any, they haven't, it's just out of the blue. They had zero warning. Um, and that, that is one of those things that makes a lot, a lot more difference. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we, um, we had, we had all this going on, um, had our, you know, did our speeches. I think the, I was telling everybody to keep their speeches down to like five minutes each. Um, you know, keep simple. The mine was a little bit more. I think I was shooting for about 15 minutes. Well, it ended up my my speech ended up being more like an hour and a half, not because it was me talking, but because there was back and forth with the with the county commissioners. OK, and that yeah. and that, that was huge that that the commissioners and, you know, I've all of all of these are local people. We've all known each other for forever. It's not like these are a bunch of bunch of strangers that nobody knows. Um, and it, it, it helped probably that my group was made up of a bunch of people from the community. It was business owners and dentists and lawyers and doctors and and just, you know, normal people that that the commissioners look out at the room and they're like, huh, I know that person. I know that person. I know that person. These guys are all their neighbors and and their supporters in many cases. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. It's like, you know, you're not. uh it wasn't like you, and that's another thing too. It makes it makes this um, a lot more reliable and controllable with, with picking these sorts of people. Because you see, you know, the lefty groups. I mean, there are a lot of smart, organized lefties that are very successful, but they also have a lot of dregs. And part of the whole thing of like with that is you've got to have an entire organization that's based around like they have all their protest marshals and their entire job is keeping a lot of these people that maybe aren't effective or or can be counterproductive, keeping them under control and giving them things to do that mm-hmm. keep them out of trouble. And part of that is because you had these really, um, because you had a lot of people who were just well-adjusted normie, normal people. Right. It was a, it, that's exactly yeah. it. It was a, it was a bunch of normies. It, it, we didn't, we didn't have a bunch of rowdies or malcontents or, or, or weirdos running around. This is literally a bunch of the parents of children in the area schools, grandparents, um, you know, just that cross section of of the community. Yeah, yeah, and that's huge. That's one of those things. It's like, wow, you know, you had because of the area you're in. You know, you're not in a huge urban area. You're not in the boondocks either. You've kind of got like you're in this kind of a you know a, a semi rural, semi rural. You know, you've got a decent sized town with a university there. So it's like you know you do have some people. Like you do have you're more than just completely rural, but you've got some sizable towns that's you know, basically like old, old Americana, you've got like a lot yep. of, you know, middle-class respectable people. And, you know, because, because of their profession and their, and their, and their lives and they, they, that they've led, they're much more motivated and controlled with their like impulses. 
and and you know it makes it a big difference like i've seen this when i was involved with uh lobby day in virginia was you know i've dealt with a i've i've seen a lot of the leftist organizing going undercover with them i've also seen it with um a lot of the right-wing people some of the more um you know the 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 MAGA type people and like it, it was way better at lobby day because there was a lot of serious organized professional people and you know you, you there's less babysitting that's required with that type of people like you know they kind of know what needs to be done and you only need to guide them a little bit so that's a big part again that's a big part of the vetting that yeah, you, and that's that you yeah lobby, lobby day is something that I, I I wish I could have have gone at the time it was an impossibility for me but but I was so impressed with how well that was run. I was, I was watching it through ARFCOM and, you know, following along with all the happenings and was incredibly impressed with how well run it was that everything stayed so, so peaceful, so calm, but absolutely got the message across. Yeah. There were so many great people there. Um, you know, the group that I was helping, it was several hundred people and I was helping advise them. And it was a big thing for me. It's because I'm used to kind of herding cats. And when I when I got looped in on, on the planning they had already done and, and, and was working with the people that was the organizers, it was like, at least for that group, it was like, wow, you know, this is, uh, you know, I don't really have to do a whole lot because these people are, you know, there were some adjustments I needed them to make and some 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 things I advised them on. But overall, it was like, you know, I wasn't having I kind of prepared myself and, you know to come in and like have to try to un- unscrew everything. Cause I'm kind of mm-hmm. used to that. But these folks, like, again, this was a different type of people that were doing it. And I was like, wow, this is pretty great. And these people already have their stuff together. I don't have to really, they don't have to do much. There's some, here's some advice, but they have their plan and you know, they're, they're, they're and it makes it so much easier because you're not, you know, one of the things too with, with randos is like, you, n- you never know. Some of these people uh, may have some, um, impulse control issues you know that's right. one of the yeah, things you never, the left you never know what you're getting when you're just when you're just joining people from the public yeah yeah when it's just complete randos it's like you never really quite know what you're going to get and one of the things i've seen one of the things i've seen is like when you announce this stuff on facebook um i've seen a lot of people a lot of ringers show up and not to yep. say that there aren't people who are just screwballs total screwballs on the right but i have seen people who were very clear you know, plants come up and make a scene and then the media runs over and interviews them and ignores everyone else. Right. And that's and part I, of part of the situation that what you did is like, there were, you know, granted, it wasn't as quite a big deal. No, where you are, but like that, that having that, that group of people and everyone squared away and having solid messaging makes a huge difference because it's much harder to spin that against you. Yeah, absolutely. We, I, I think the, the way that we organized allowed us to keep to within our own little group and not worry about, about so-called infiltrators or hangers on showing up that, that we didn't already know who they were. Yeah. So what was the outcome here? So you did this. So we had organized protest. Well, so when I'll, I'll yeah. kind of jump forward in time. Mm-hmm. Eventually um, it, it took a few months, but, the COVID restrictions were removed, masks, masks came off and stayed off. And over the span of a few months, we got everything done. The county health officer was quote unquote retired. Um, and bef- very soon after that, 
his second in command was was uh, retired as well, and they closed the COVID tracking unit. Um, some of the questions that we raised caused the county commissioners to look a little closer at how things were being run, and they took a pretty uh, a more aggressive hand in handling how that department was run. And it's 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 doing it's in much better hands nowadays. Great, awesome. So so you had this win. So and that's right. one of the big things is like you had several wins there. You know now. You, yeah, we. Yeah, right. But, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't just one win. You know, it was kind of like everything. Something. Something. I guess I'll. I'll tell your listeners. It was not like one big win after one big appearance. Yeah, we made it. Yeah, way to go, guys. Yeah. It. It took months and months and months of of appearances, of emails, of phone calls, of Facebook posts, and just that constant pressure that that finally had the had the desired result. We got a. We got some early wins but after that it was pretty much just incremental stuff and uh one thing that i i really regret or i I wish i had done differently was at my very first appearance i i made a threat about recalling the county commissioners if they didn't do what we wanted and that was a huge miscalculation on my part because we we were in no way shape or form ready to execute on that um you know if we 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 didn't have the we didn't have the political muscle we we didn't have the know-how um, and the one thing, if you're, if you're organizing a group, the last thing you can, you should do is make a threat that you're not, you're not able and willing to carry out. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's a huge thing. It's, it's good. That wasn't a fatal mistake. Um, sure. We, we survived it, but it, it and yeah. it got their attention. Um, you know, and I, even the, the next day, part of that, I had a couple of the moms in my group go to the county courthouse the next day to ask how to start recall proceedings. You know, they, they're taking their little kids in there, in there, just normal looking moms with a, with a bunch of kids trailing behind them. And they walk in and say, Oh, we want to see how to start recall proceedings against the county commissioner. You know, it's, it's like the scene in the biker bar where somebody walks in and says, who, you know, who wants their ass kicked? And the, the yeah. needle gets ripped off the record player. Um, <laughs> that it, it certainly, it certainly made an impression, but yeah, looking back on it, I think we were, we were way overstepping what we should have done at that point. And it, it, it wasn't productive, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's a good point. It's, it's good that you recognize that and you adjusted. And it's also good that you're like, well, let's, let's wait, let's send some people in to ask. Because again, this is, this is not a huge city. This, you know, it's, it's small yeah, enough. The, where people do yeah, know the, the, um, coming in the, and ask the words going to get around. Right. So yeah. Yeah. We, and, and that that honestly, at that point, I that was that was the intent. Just that we we know as soon as as soon as those ladies left, the phones are going to be ringing. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It's like, you know, you you basically bluffed there, but it, 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 it sounds like you re- you're like, well, crap, I was kind of bluffing. I can't really do that. But like, let's let's at least try, you know, like it sounds like, you know, you you made a mistake, but you recognized it. And then you're like, well, let's see if I can still pull this bluff off. And you had mm-hmm. these people go in and start asking. So even though it was technically a bluff at the time, you were able to successfully bluff because you reinforced it in a way that it got the point across. Like, yeah, sometimes exactly. it doesn't even have to be a hundred percent. doesn't even have to be a hundred percent convinced it's going to happen. Just raising the question. And, and that was exactly my, my hope. Possible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that was a huge thing. Like, you know, you, 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 and, and let's be honest, if you if you said that now, like <laughs> you could say that now because, you know, of everything you've accomplished since, that wouldn't be an empty threat. 
um, you know, and that's that's a huge thing. But you know, you had these, and that's a good too, because one one of the issues I see so often on the right is people look for this climactic battle where you win this victory, and, and you there's not one. There's you know, then you go back one. to the Shire, and then yeah. the battles. <laughs> You know, it doesn't work that way. It's it's incremental victories that continue to build, um, yep. and you keep building. You you have something, and one of the things I've talked about, you know, we talked about this before, the smart principle. You know, whatever you choose, it has to be specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time bound. You know, you have to pick something specific, specific objective. It has to be measurable. Like you have to have some sort of victory condition that you can confirm that you achieved it. And achievable means like. You know, is this is this an objective that people have achieved in the past? And then, you know, the realistic part sounds like it mixes with achievable, but realistic is like, do the forces I have, can they realistically accomplish this? Can can, can they thing, make it? Yep. Yeah. Can my assets do this? And time bound is like, you can't just say we're going to do X. You know, you have to say we, we're going to do X in our in our because if you just say you're going to do something and if you don't have a time for it, there's no limit then you can just keep pushing it off. But you're like, yeah, you can't. Nobody, nobody's going to stay with a movement that just drags on and on for, for six months or a year or two years or longer with no real results. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have like these incremental victories these incremental objectives and they have to follow that. That smart principle is, is a really great guide yeah. for what you're going to do. Okay. So, you know, you, you ended up, you've had, you built this group, you got, you had an, an online pressure campaign, and then you ended up making it an in real life pressure campaign. And you, this thing took several months and it continued and, and you ended up achieving your victory. Um, you got what you wanted, the policy changes. Now, at this point, you did not disband your group. You were like, well, let's well, stop now. So let's right. tell me about what you did next. So we kind of looked around and decided, all right, well, this. All right. So we we dealt with the COVID stuff that was immediately in front of us, but there's so many other things going on that, you know, that we disagreed with. And, and, you know, the, the group was like 98% um, very conservative, um, maybe a little, little, little bit libertarian. I'm, I definitely lean towards the libertarian side of things, but, but a, a very conservative group um, in terms of politics, almost across the board, uh, very pro second amendment, uh, low taxes, you know, the, government's best that governs least type of mindset and and so as i looked at what was going on in state politics you know local politics everything outside of covid i realized that we can actually continue to have some effect um something else i'll 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 say real quick is as we were getting involved in this we started pushing for things like school board candidates and and um you know county and city commission stuff things like that i realized that we were we were acting as a pack and so i went ahead and registered us as a pack um because i realized i, I didn't want to do something yep, illegal political action and, committee so right you, and get us right a political action committee so i went and registered us not, not with pack, the like state. not wolf pack but a, a pac <laughs> <laughs> right pac political action committee yeah. so so i went ahead and registered us with state you know paid the fees did the paperwork and we and we submit our filings every quarter or whatever it is that we're required to do um, you know, we, we don't deal with a lot of money, hardly any, but, but that allows us to legally advocate. And early on, I found out like very soon after I registered us as a PAC, one of the, one of the leaders of the local Democrat party 
tried to call the state um, ethics commission on us for operating as a PAC without being registered because she didn't know that we had registered. Hmm. Okay. But but we had that we had that uh, taken care of ahead of time. But had we had we not, if if I had just done this as a as an amateur organization, I mean, not that we're professional, but but unregistered, we could have gotten into legal trouble. Yeah, and that's something. Yeah. If anybody's considering a group like this, um, it's it's one thing. I'm I'm not even sure. Different state law. Every state is different. I'm not even going to start getting into that. But I'll just say this: If you're going to get into advocating for political causes, you better make real sure that you understand what the law says. Because if you're accidentally accidentally violating the law, somebody will use that against you. Yeah, it's it's one. Especially if you're if once you start becoming more and more effective. You know, people right. will start looking for reasons to try to, you know, hem you up. Okay, Roger. So let's let's look back at what you've accomplished so far. You had a relevant local cause that was resonated with the local population, and you used that to build a local affinity group, which you put on secure comms so that you didn't have to worry about getting deplatformed, and you didn't have to worry about so much about people finding out what you had planned before you decided to you know, coordinate and, and go after one of your objectives. Right. You use this group and you ran a several month long pressure campaign um, that gained, you know, managed to change local policy. Uh, you know, you, you built informal local influence and power. Um, and you had these incremental wins that kind of kept the momentum going. Now, this is really the point where you started making the shift from, you know, informal influence to more formal power. Um, you know, you started running candidates for local government and started trying to get involved with the local party. Now, tell me how how that went. So, yeah, when when you say it like that, you know, I, when it was happening, I didn't really think of it that way. But I, I guess you're right in the sense that we we had we had actually accomplished our goal. We we affected change and got what we what we initially wanted accomplished and then looked around and like the, my my mindset was, OK, we did that. And then I look around at how, how we did that and the obstacles I ran into as far as local governance and realized that if we were going to have better effect with other stuff or continue this, that we needed to actually have some involvement in the local political system. And so looked looked into joining the county Republican Party, saw that it was it was not very active. I'm sure that the, the COVID lockdowns had a lot to do that do with that covid managed to kill quite a few social groups and and you know small groups of of people for things like this and so decided to get my people involved we looked at it found empty precinct spots which there were there were a lot of them and so got a ton of my people involved we signed up we ran in the august primary which is when precinct members are elected every two years in kansas and uh we all got elected and just kind of by by pure numbers became the majority group within the county party yeah you know that that's a huge thing you know covid did kind of kneecap a lot of stuff because i remember that did kind of crimp a lot of the lobby day stuff because a lot of the people you know there was a lot of momentum and and because so much of that dealt with a lot of people that were you know that that whole change of subject because for that right after when you know right after when lobby day happened in virginia you know there was so much momentum and covid slamming everything like a hammer really kind of took the wind out of the sails for a lot of different people um and yeah no that was that was something that i saw and it's it's really interesting because you know when i i was involved with my local party 
like the way I did, I didn't quite have to build the power base first. Like what I did individually was, you know, I just started going to a lot of the social events um, that in San Francisco for the Republican Party and, you know, started hanging out and getting to know people. And they invited me to start coming to the county committee meetings. And I started hanging out the county committee meetings and just watching what was going on um, and meeting people. And then a couple months down the road, I got asked to be an alternate. On the for a, a de, an alternate delegate to for the district or for yeah 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 it was a county delegate um I, I was asked to be with our alternate on the board and you know I got to sit in a few times as an alternate on the board and take part in the committee meetings and the next opening they had they voted me as a permanent member of the in my own right yep at which point you know I I started uh, <clears throat> and then I ran ran then the next election and and won. A seat on the board, you know, elected directly instead of just being appointed. Um, yeah, no, but that's that's a huge thing. It's like what you did was you had this group, but yeah, y'all did a lot of stuff like supporting each other too. You know, right. it wasn't just like we're all going to run, and and then you just went split up and went your own ways. Everyone sure. started working it, together. It was still very much a coordinated effort. And some, something you said, let me build on that. Mm-hmm. That that it it doesn't success in something like that in getting involved is not just limited to if you have a big group of people that can do a coordinated takeover, because yeah. it was, you know, some, something that I've realized as I've, as I've gotten involved more and more and more into this, the people that, that maybe sometimes are, are put out as being the bad guy or the, the swamp or whatever, that's a lot of times that's not the case. They're, they're good people that have been doing, doing things, for a long time and helping when none of us were involved and they, yeah. they've kept things alive and you know, they, they need help. Sometimes they get burn out. Sometimes they just get exhausted. Um, sometimes the people that have been doing things for a long time are so accustomed to doing things a certain way. It's hard for them to step out of that. And I'm, I'm as guilty of that as any, as anybody is, but the, the more I've gotten involved in this, the less I've seen it's, it's not just, Okay, who's wearing a black hat and who's wearing a white hat? Oh, um, absolutely. It's, yeah. it's a just thing. a mix of a, a lot of good people that have gotten involved with the best of intentions. Uh, some have just worn out, whatever the case may be. But anyway, the bottom line is getting new blood in absolutely helps the cause and keeps things keeps things fresh and keeps things moving. And uh, uh, since I've since I've been involved at that level and then moved up to higher levels other county leaders that I've talked to have said the same thing. They have so much trouble getting new people involved and staying involved because yeah, it's, Bert, it's Bert boring is- stuff. It's boring stuff. Normally it's not, it's not exciting seat of your pants type stuff. It's just keeping track of legislative ongoings and, and tracking what's being proposed and who's floating, what bills. Um, there's, there's just a lot of boring background stuff that you have to do to be relevant. Yeah, there's there's a ton of work that goes into it, and most of it's behind the scenes, and it's it can seem to be relatively thankless. But it's one of those things; it's absolutely critical to your ultimate success. You know, you don't just show up, like right. you know, like, like we're we're both gun people, and people like we all understand. You know, getting gun, getting good at like shooting is not something you do overnight. It's it's an iterative process where you continually improve and put in a lot of work. Sure. And, you know, you do dry fire practice. There's tons of that. And it's, same, it's like the same thing's true of anything. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, anything you could choose. You don't get good at it overnight. And there's not one big climactic battle that you win. 
And then, like I said, you go back to the Shire and the battle's over with, you know. Well, one one thing that I think a lot of people make the mistake, they think they're going to get involved and they're they're just going to do some some crazy big, big takeover and vanquish their enemies or that they're that they're just going to be get come into something as a newcomer and immediately everybody's going to bow down to their great ideas. The way the way it's much more likely is is like you said with you, you simply showed up at meetings, started coming and said, "Hey, how can I help?" Yeah, that's and, a huge and, thing. Yeah. And learn you have to you have to learn the people, you have to learn the processes. Um, for a lot of people, they just need to learn how meetings are conducted. If people are not familiar with with how traditional meetings are held that follow Robert's rules of order order and parliamentary procedures that they, they tend to get lost in those meetings because they don't even know what the heck's going on. And oh, so, so learning all of that, that process is an important part of becoming more effective and getting your, your side heard or getting uh, your goals accomplished. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I got involved, like there's multiple paths to this. Like I got involved, like I said, I kind of just did it on my own, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that was kind of the situation where I was in because again, that was San Francisco is very democratic place. So it wasn't like I really had to do a lot to get involved in the Republican party, but that works for a lot. That is one thing people can do. You can, you can just showing up and being useful is a huge thing because people will start to like you. And then like that works a lot of other places. If you're a useful person who's willing to help and work um, and help them do stuff, they'll, they'll start, giving you jobs and you'll start moving up and absolutely you you did this more like it's interesting because you you built your group and it wasn't really your initial objective but you're like well you know we accomplished all this stuff we have all these wins you know let's keep going and let's keep going uh, exactly and and And, sure it was so so i had i in a in a way i had a much easier um a much easier way of getting involved and having an effect in local politics and later you know a little bit higher up just because that that group of people was already established. We, we knew each other. We trusted each other. We'd work together. So yeah, we're like, Hey, all right, let's all run for these precinct positions inside the County party um, and get elected. And then we'll be able to help steer decisions. The party's make and help get it more active because it had not been very active for a while and, and start to help make the kind of Republican party more of what we want it to make. Yeah, um, you know, because because trying to trying to do all this stuff to fight for our issues on the COVID front, we saw how much some some politicians listened to us, some agreed with us, but not many were willing to actually fight for us. They nodded their heads and it's like, well, how do how do we make them listen to us more? How do we make them do what we want? And that's that's kind of the path that I chose. It's yeah, like get so- get involved at a higher level and figure out how to become the influencer that those people will listen to. Yeah, one of the things too, you know, and this is a big thing. I've talked about this before, like the DSA, the Democratic Socialists of America. Group. Oh, you know what? I yeah. I remember that that was your your episode on how the DSA took over the, was it the Nevada State Party or just the Reno, Reno-Nevada uh, uh, County Party? I think uh, it was the one they did in like, they took over Nevada, it was the yep. entire state party, and I was also talking about the one in New York City. How they yeah, the, the the New York yeah. City. I remember that that was a separate episode, I think. And then, but the the one about the Nevada thing was very interesting because basically the DSA people, if they get you know they read the Jacobin magazine, they're getting in, they're all you know 
ready to rock and roll. And they just literally kind of run for these positions, get elected. And then at the next county reorganization meeting, they just literally take it over. And all the all the normal traditional Democrats are like, what? What just happened? Yeah, yeah. They, they didn't even have a clue. And suddenly it's it's basically a, a total coup of of the Democrat Party. And it goes the Democrat Party at that point in Nevada it goes from being a fairly standard Democrat organization to being a radical left wing socialist group. Yeah, yeah. One of the things DSA does, there are several things they do that are very interesting. They run, they run um, something they call the slate. They have a, they they pick a set of candidates that they call their the DSA slate, and right. those are the ones that all the DSA members. It's really interesting because what what DSA does is they're technically a nonprofit. They have like the five hundred one c three and a c four wing, and yeah. what they do is you know they have these. Um, causes and, and things they believe in and they don't they, uh, they don't actually because they can't actually be explicitly political depending on whichever group they're with what they do is it's kind of the understanding that everyone's going to work with these people so they'll train people as political activists and then everyone kind of knows you're supposed to go start pitching in with with these with these campaigns and here's a slate of people that we're all going to support right um, and one of the things they do too it's really interesting it's like um, running for office is one of those things that can be very stressful and it's kind of, you know, you feel very alone. Um, I know I had this issue, um, when I ran for office that time, it's like, there's not a lot of people that are willing to, to be as helpful as they can. Um, depending on where you are, they're willing to kind of throw you to the wolves. Um, and you're like, everybody's your friend after everybody is your friend after you succeed. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, wait a minute, you know, you asked me to run for office and like, I, I have no idea how any of this works. Is, is can someone, is there a guide or something? And like, yep. it's one of those deals where, you know, you just kind of get, depending on the situation, you may or may not get kind of blown off. Or if you don't get blown off, the people want to charge a premium for it, um, you know. And, and that's, that's something that I ran into locally mm-hmm. when, when I started getting more involved. I talked to people who would run for office before some some successfully some not and i asked them what kind of help did you get and and by and large the the answer across the board was nothing nobody nobody from the the state party the local party the no nobody helped me even even after the primary it was on me and at that point i was thinking man how much more effective could we be if the if the local parties got involved to the point that they actually actively help these candidates. You, you can't help them in the primary because then you have, in, in this case, say two Republicans running against each other. And the in, I'm, I'm sure most states are like this. The state party bylaws forbid helping one or the other in a primary, which, which is understandable because you kind of want to let the, you know, the, the one who's more prone to win the primary is more prone to win the general. Yeah. Um, not, not kind of put your thumb on the scale. But but once the primary is over and you have a candidate for the general election, it's important that the that I think that the local parties do all they can to help that person get elected. And it's really interesting what you're doing here, because, you know, the, the DSA has this thing where they where they go in and they have the multi-candidate committee, which is a special kind of PAC that can actually coordinate with campaigns. Most PACs can't. The multi-candidate committee is an exception. Like they directly it's like five candidates um, and, you know, you can the camp the the PAC can coordinate with those individual candidate campaigns. And they also have, they have that thing where they have the, the big 
group of trained activists that are willing to jump on the campaigns. They have the multi-candidate committee that can directly coordinate with the campaigns. And they also have all these candidates in like a big chat together where they can commiserate because it's an incredibly stressful experience. You know, you feel kind of alone when you're running for office. So the the candidates can actually coordinate with each other or at least share experiences. Yeah, yeah. They can. That's huge. You're in a chat with other candidates, other people running for office. You know, you can talk to someone who's dealing with the same thing you are and you don't feel alone. And that's a Mm. big thing, like with your group, too. It's everyone's in the group together, um, you know, and you're all like you have a bunch of people that are running for, um, you know, your local party precinct chairs and then you're also running you have candidates running for you know local commissioner and stuff like that and everyone's kind of supporting each other and you know be able to kind of boost each other as a group and it makes you way more effective yeah well and and that's something that i that i found out throughout all of this that when when people and when groups can communicate back and forth share experiences share the good and the bad lessons learned and plan strategies, they become a thousand times more effective than if they're all on their own and each one's trying to invent the wheel. Absolutely. There's a lot of duplication of effort that way. Right. And a bunch of people, everyone's working individually. And you also, it's more demoralizing because you feel like you're alone, but you're not. Like, you know, you've got 300 people in a group, you know, a big chunk, like a, like a big significant chunk of those people are running for precinct chairs. Some of the other ones are running for office and everyone's right. kind of on the same page now and you're able to kind of support each other and you've got this record of wins behind you we're like look we've we've won we've kept winning you know this is our influence let's take this and like let's literally become local the local take over the local government like the whole thing is like you're in a purple area like you know you're you're in a red state but a reddish state right very yeah fairly red state almost Mm -hmm. trending blue now but our our county is has been the most democratic county in our in our part of the state for for a hundred years and yeah. the 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 saying for a long time was the only way you're going to win here is if you run as a democrat yeah and, and now you've like you know you, you started working with some of your state candidates as well like your your county flipped red this last election isn't that right yeah every every republican on the ballot won the um Every every single Republican, even the ones who lost the statewide races, they won our county. And that's something that has never happened. If a if a Republican won the statewide race, they sometimes would win our county, but not always. But any time that 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 candidate lost the statewide race, they lost this county by a pretty significant margin. And for the first time, as far as I can tell, ever that flipped on its head where even the. Um, the statewide candidates like the governor, the Republican governor lost his race against the incumbent Democrat governor, but we, we blew her out of the water locally. That's huge. I mean, you know, and you, one of the things too, is because you're, you've got this group and it's really interesting because like you've built this group and you're in the process of like transitioning to the formal local power, but you've already got enough influence. You're able to work with these state candidates because I know you spend a good bit of time rallying with them and working with them. Right. We, through our, you know, through our position as the, as the county party, um, hosted rallies for them, um, you know, did uh, multiple events, brought them in, brought them into the area for, for press conferences, for, for fundraising dinners, just all this kind of stuff that brings awareness um, above and beyond the stuff that we did otherwise, like getting out signs and doing door to door campaigns. 
we we coordinated with them and bringing them into the area so they could have political events. Yeah, now that's that's great because you're being useful for them, but you're also like building these connections because you know you're literally bringing these people in, and you know you're 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 being useful to them, so they're going to be grateful and they're going to be thankful because you've helped them. But you're also like building connections with like their staff and and a lot of other people in the party as well, um, you know. And this is one of the things where. Like, like, tell me some of the things you've done. Like, there's been since then, like, there's so, been, worked with some legislation and some other stuff. Yeah. Know? So, so in the since that happened, so we got involved in the county party and then moved up through the district. Kansas is, Kansas is split into the four congressional districts for our four four federal congressional districts, um, and saw how our saw how our district was ran, saw what was going on at the state party, decided to get involved in at that level. Um, I ran unsuccessfully for a leadership position in the district and um, just in, in doing that process, learned more about the people involved and the stuff. And what I saw was how few county leaders knew anything about anything going on outside of their county. Every single county leader of like the Republican Party that I talked to was in the dark about what other counties were doing and what they'd experienced. And so one of the things I did at that point was created a separate dis- signal discussion group for county leaders and you know maybe not not just like the county chairs but the movers and shakers in that county the people who are very active members of the party so that we across the entire state could start communicating and now we're i mean we're at the point we have about 20 percent of the counties in the state are in this group good deal i mean that's one of the things is like you know, taking the tactics you used at one level and replicating them at another level. Sure. You know, why they, not? They work. Yeah, they work. And like you can take the success and continue building on it. Um, yeah. You know, so. Um, so now so now we're at a point that we have these these uh, people that are all effective county leaders. And, it, and it's funny. There are probably half a dozen across the state that did the exact same thing I did. They they got involved to to fight covid they saw that their county party needed help, got involved with it, and are, are now running those county parties. And now all of us are, you know, are working to to make sure that we get good representation across the state. We're working with a lot of us are working with legislate legislators to get bills written and passed. We're as a group, we're putting we're putting positive pressure on on the existing legislators to make sure that our, that the bills we want get heard in committee. In the future, we're going to be helping to write these bills and starting to push for for the policies that we want to be implemented instead of just sitting by and seeing what happens. So that's kind of the going back to like the county parties before not really helping candidates because they didn't have enough people to or enough energy to that in each of these steps. What I saw was everybody waits until something happens and then tries to get on board with it. And, you know, why why do it that way? Why not? be the one that makes something happen so that you get to decide what it is that's going to happen instead of waiting to see what comes up. Yeah. No, that, you know, that, that's, that's, this is like really a huge part of it. It's because you, you took these things that you did, like you're being proactive here and you get to guide things in a way you didn't before. Like, you know, and, it, and it's not like this happened overnight, but it, it took maybe two years so far and you've made some significant yep. progress. So it's something that, you know, you're not going to do it by next week. No. But it's something that if you have consistent work, you know, if you consistently put an effort for months or maybe a couple of years or something, you'll see yep. 
let's say a little bit of an investment over a time period like that, you'll get a significant return. Sure. Um, I, th- I think right now I'm a, I'm a year and a half into this. Okay. Starting yeah. From, yeah and you're- starting from absolutely nothing other than I, th- I think in the, the last 30 years, maybe I wrote a letter to the paper twice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things that took you like a year and a half. You went from, from just a, a single individual with no real local influence. And now you've got pretty much your local County is flipped red and you've got a lot of this stuff locked down and, you know, the people, or at least, you know, you've got a lot of influence and then you've got like state level people that are now listening to you. Um, and it just took one of those things and it's continually continuing to build with these victories uh, one of the things that I say, you know, you, you couldn't jump to where you are now overnight. You couldn't do it directly, but you were able to build to it. And one yeah. of the things that I tell people to starting locally is so important. It's, it's kind of, it, it's not always super easy, but it's easier than it is at a higher level because you're going to, you're going to make mistakes and you have made mistakes, which is oh, cool because yeah. none of them were like fatal. Like you made normal mistakes and you calibrated and you learned and you adjusted. And then at the next level, you didn't make that mistake again. So yeah. that's a huge thing. You know, it's like you, you at a local level, you get a chance to really learn and make these mistakes and that they're not going to just end you. Well, it's like everything you 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 figure things out. Um, every, everybody's going to make errors when they're starting out. But as as we started doing this, we we took little lessons learned. We moved on um, and and just kept kind of upping our game, I guess, for lack of a better term, but, you know, over and over again, what you said that you, you can't just jump in and expect to be a player at the national level or the state level or whatever, because nobody knows who you are un- unless you're, unless you're, you know, George Soros or whatever, got billions of dollars, then people listen to you just because you can write big checks. But, but for normal people, you have to build, build the influence gradually by showing that you can get results. People yeah. list, people will work with somebody who can get results. And if that's, if that's a matter of say somebody who can turn out votes, if it's somebody who can get lots of letters written, if it's somebody who can get lots of signs put out for a candidate, then those candidates are going to work with you and listen to you because you've shown that you can help them. Absolutely. A big part of that, it's just, you know, it comes down to being useful because if that's you can it. help someone, you know, if you can, if you have a track record of being successful and, and getting results and being useful for people and achieving what you want, you know, that's something you can leverage. I mean, if you like if you if you go back a year and a half to where you were before this started and you were like, whoa, wow, the state party meeting is next week. You know, I think I'll just go and like see if I can change some minds. You would have gotten nowhere. Sure. But like, now, like if you want to go to the state party and like talk to people and see about influencing things, you can because you are a known quantity. You're someone that people want on their side. Um, and you're starting to build, you're, you're taking these tactics and lessons learned and you're starting to use them at the district level. Well, I'll, and I'll, I'll give you an example of that. So I, um, I, I was one of two delegates from, from our county at the state convention. Um, and when we, when we went there, we did, you know, did all the delegate stuff, had her, you know, voted uh, for the state leadership, did all that stuff. But when that wasn't going on, we were going to some of the seminars, training things, learning how to things like voter outreach. And we're, we're talking to the people who are presenting those classes, getting ideas from them, telling telling them what we've done and ask them, you know, about about some of their things or ask them how to incorporate some of our actions into their ideas. And and also then when there was like dead time, 
I was I was finding out what room was not being used. And I just post on my signal group of county leaders. Hey, guys, we're going to meet in in this room for the next hour. If you want to come in, we can all meet face to face, talk, get to get to see each other and talk about some some of the things going on right here at the state right now and and get that coordinated time. So we were actually collaborating and working ideas through right there during the state convention. We're taking advantage of that because there's always an empty conference room at these things. Every conference room is not busy at all times during during a convention. Yeah, no, that's so great. we we yeah. get get our people together and doing we we did that every day of the convention. We had one or two get togethers. That's great. You, you building that, um, you know, those like it's great to continue building the relationships in chat, but you do need to like meet and press the flesh. You know, sure, you gotta keep keep people together and and you know get that handshake and getting getting to talk in person it really helps a lot well it does it goes a long way towards actually meeting those people but you know it's one of the things you pointed out a minute ago if i just shown up at the state convention and started handing out flyers saying hey guys anybody want to meet me in this room we can talk about how cool we are then you know, nobody's, yeah. nobody's going to show up because they they don't know who the heck i am and and if if somebody handed me a flyer like that i wouldn't go yeah because i'm like who who the heck are you man why am I going to waste my time going to talk to going to, you know, listen to you talk? Yeah. But, but because we knew each other already, we made yeah. that connection. Mm-hmm. We, we were, everybody's ready to meet each other in person and get more in-depth discussions than you can in, in a chat group. Yeah. You, you built this relationship and then, you know, you, you kept building on it and now you're able to do things you weren't because, you know, it, it took the work, you know, there, there's no, there, there's a um, there's a good book on organizing called No Shortcuts, and it's it's a leftist book, of course, because ninety percent of the stuff about organizing and building political powers is by leftists, um, yep. which kind of sucks. But it's 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 interesting. Yeah, well, it's it's hilarious, and you know some of the stuff you've you've talked about in your podcast. I think I've listened to every one um, over and over again. It's about these organizational methods that the lefties have used, and you know at, at some point when the the people in my in my local group were, were asking about, you know, how, how did I know to do this? How did I know to do that? I said, I was just mimicking what, what the socialists do. Or, you know, I'd tell them, Hey, this is, this is how Antifa puts together a group of people. And, you know, we're, I said, I, I, I really admire Antifa, not, you know, or, or the, you know, the, the DSA, not, not because of what they do, but because of how effective they are doing it. Yeah, they are. There's so many. There's so many great books. You know, there's like no shortcuts. Well, you know, it's called No Shortcuts: Organizing for Power, um, because there are no shortcuts. There's no shortcut. There's no easy button for building power and building no. influence. It's just putting in the work over a period of time. Um, you know, there's there's another beautifultrouble.org. There's a book for that called. You know, they have a book called Beautiful Trouble, and there's a website called beautifultrouble.org, which has a bunch of great tips and explanations and and that's the place i first heard about the smart principle the you know specific measurable achievable realistic time bound Mm -hmm. for selecting objectives um you know it's one of the things ironically too um you know gun people one of the things they talk about the most like there are examples of of i guess right-leaning or or technically is nonpartisan, but still you know there's there's a great example in in history of right-wing organizing and power building or, or 
or at least gun gun community type, you know, something that gun people really fetishize, which is the Battle of Athens. And it's the funniest sure. thing about that is like, you know, everyone talks about why it's important for the Second Amendment. I'm like, yes, it's true. But like everyone glosses over the fact that the using having guns and using them in the Battle of Athens was like the smallest part of the whole thing. You People know, had to know like, each other first. They yeah, had no, they built an organization. That's like they had the GI Nonpartisan League. I mean, I did a podcast about this. Mm-hmm. And it's like these guys did so much work in organizing. Um, and it wasn't like they didn't they didn't use guns to win the election. Like they organized and they built a group and they won the election. And then they used used the guns they had to secure the election they already won. It and that, like, that was only yeah, the, the yeah. only reason they ever touched a gun was because the other side forced them to and begin using violence to intimidate them and stop them from pushing for fair elections. Yeah, yeah. This this group of people, the the, the GI Nonpartisan League in Athens, Tennessee, you know, they, they they organized, they they built this group, they won an election, they w- were dominating the local election, and the people they were defeating panicked, and then they grabbed their guns and started shooting, and then the GIs got guns to to defend themselves defend themselves exactly yeah it wasn't like they were like okay we're going to be this militia and we're going to start like attack we're going to just attack the jail and then declare ourselves the winner it wasn't anything like that these guys were were following a a peaceful political process and they organized to win and then they had like that's 98 percent of that story to me is how they organized to win the election like the guns themselves were like a really small part of all. Like it was a crucial part because they were able to defend their victory, but they already won. You know, all the work they did, the guns themselves were just like almost ancillary in my mind. Well, and, and it's exactly what you said. What they the they had already won in essence simply because they had organized locally, built up their their group using the exact same process, and that's how I think that's probably how every successful group starts out. You. You build local people with with a common common cause that joins them together. That's straightforward. And in that sense, it was getting rid of the corrupt politicians that ran that county. Yeah, every and then this is something that I, I reiterate to a lot of people is every revolution, every 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 movement, every whatever you want to call it, every big massive change starts with two people talking. Yeah, they, they all start from that, you know, and, and then it, it whether or not it expands is, is really up to like putting in the work. You know, there's there's nothing that didn't start with two people talking or maybe more, but a small group of people talking. They all start that way, you know, um, and that's that's the critical stuff is just continue working, continue building. Um, so just to as we're kind of kind of wrapping up here, if you can think of a couple things. Um, can you yeah. tell anything you can think of that happened during during this experience of yours that was maybe harder than you expected? The yeah, um, number one was the amount of not pushback, but the the lack of the lack of of um, people in power, elected officials um, who who I thought when I showed them what was being done, they would say, Oh, that's not right. And they would change their way. They would change, they would change what they're doing immediately. Uh, pretty much nobody did. 
Yeah. And I, and I don't mean that I was showing something they were doing wrong. I mean, I was showing something, something that was being done wrong or decisions that were being made for the wrong reasons where they were being misled and showed them that. And the vast majority did not want to change course because they felt like they'd already made a decision. And if they backed off, one of, one of the school board members, the president of one of the school boards actually said that in a meeting, not to me, but he was just vocalized this after we were putting a lot of pressure on people. He said, boy, if we change, if we change course now after, after following so-and-so for, for two years in the recommendations, whoo, that would look bad. Yeah. And, and that was, that was such an eye opener for me about how it's just showing people that something was wrong and expecting them to do the right thing because I felt like it was the right thing was not going to happen. There had, there had to be way more pressure exerted on them in most cases to make them change. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things there's a, there's a belief um, by many people that you just need to make the right argument right. and that people will change their mind. And sometimes you can, you know, but once in a while you get one like that, but very seldom. Yeah. yeah it's, it's one of those things that like you, you, even if you can, it's not something you really control. Ideally, you know, it's not about like making this, this dispassionate logical argument and the other person's going to go, Oh, you know what? You're right. I think I'll change 180. And right. now very few do that. Yeah. That rarely, rarely happens. Usually it's one of those things of like, can you really pressure someone, especially if they're in office or something, because when they're in office and they're, if they're elected to anything or even appointed, it becomes less about, you know, the objective belief in something as it's more about incentives. You know, the person is probably doesn't want to lose their position. Right. So you have to like start giving them an incentive to change their mind. And, and I, I think you, I think that's it. It's that the, there, there's kind of some, some of that is that they, they feel like they've already made a decision and to reverse would look bad because that would admit they made a mistake. Um, sometimes it's just, they, they don't want to have to deal with it again. They've already, they've, they've already made that decision. And that's what we're sticking with. Um, in the case of COVID, a lot of times they're like, well, we've got to wait for the experts to make a decision or to change their recommendations because they didn't want to be the, be the one that stuck up first, stuck their head up first and said, we're changing with without political cover and yeah. uh you know and another thing you'd, you'd mentioned the the story about roosevelt about fdr when he first yeah. got elected telling his supporters in the oval office um i'm, I'm gonna let you say the quote because i'm gonna get it wrong but you know what i'm yeah, talking like about the, there's the apocryphal quote but it's even if you didn't specifically say it right yeah it's someone of... else it, it's it's a great um principle he says you know supposedly the story is a bunch of union activists or union labor organizers went to, went to see him and you know, they were arguing for something that later became the New Deal, the basic, you know, legislation. And he's like, gentlemen, you've convinced me. Now go out and make me do it. And right. you know, that's the big thing people don't realize. It's not just about like, it's not just about necessarily about being, you know, you're not just trying to make an impassionate argument to someone to change their mind. And you're also not always trying to just pressure them, you know, or pressure someone to change their mind. Sometimes you've got politicians who agree with you and they need cover to do what they want. Exactly. To do. That's, that's the big thing. I think a lot of people don't realize there's, there are two types of the, the, pr the pressure that a group can exert has two possible benefits. One 
is try to pressure people who don't want to do what you say into doing what you say because they realize it's a political loser for them to fight you. But the the other thing that's equally important is creating enough political pressure that the politicians that agree with you, the elected officials, they have they have a reason to go with you instead of to go with your opponents, because every one of these every elected official is constantly getting be getting berated by both sides. Yeah. Every yeah, time they, you think, well, yeah. well, you're you're a Republican, you're conservative. Why won't you do what I want all the time? Because every single day they're getting hit over the head by big business, by the left, by all these other people. And I, I remember one time I went to a to a, um, you know, meet your legislator thing when a local state rep was state representative was doing a little thing. And I had I had to close my business to go to this thing at like one one in the afternoon. And I was the only conservative in the room, so like 20 or, 20 or 30 people, most of them retired, that were all complaining about how he was doing this, he was doing that, because they were they, they were from the, the left side of the spectrum and were wanting him to do those things. And after it was over, after I mostly just kept my mouth shut, after it was over, after everybody had left, I walked up to him and I said, you know, I introduced myself, we kind of knew each other a little bit, just, just from being the, from the same town. And I said, you got to remember, the people who elected you here, who elected you, are not able to be here because they're all working. All of these people that are that were badgering you today, not a single one of them voted for you, and none of them ever will vote for you. And you know, I I, I hope that helped steal his resolve a little bit because he's he's been an extremely good conservative guy ever since. Um, but but the uh, it, it stood out to me too. Because I realize how much pressure somebody that like that must feel all of the time because they hold these political town hall type things and they're overwhelmingly populated by people from the left side of the aisle. The, yeah. the, the righties, the conservatives never go to these things. Yeah, a, a big thing that, you know, one of the things, too, is even when the guy even when they agree with you and they want to support your cause, these these when you're an elected or appointed official, if it's a commission or something like that, or if it's legislature or the county committee, you know, there's going to be executive session where they're sitting there in private and they're sure. talking to each other. And you want you want your ally, the person who already supports what you want. You want that person to be able to go, hey, guys, did you just see the, the people that showed up? Like that, I'm getting pressured so hard to do this. We're all getting pressured to do. Right, I need you to do person, this with me. Yeah, yeah. You know that person when they're in private. You know if they can point to a group of people pressuring them or pressuring the organization, that gives them a stronger basis to argue. So it's like, yeah, if you want your 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 official that you voted for that said the things you wanted to hear, if you want that person to stick with it. And if you want that person to be able to do their job more effectively, you have to support them by continually publicly pressuring them. Not only does it keep them on the path to do, it gives them a better basis to argue with the other officials that they have to deal with. Right. So um, one of the other things that so we that's some of the harder stuff there. Do you have anything that went easier? Do you think the I, the the biggest thing that was easy was how many people were willing to join once they saw somebody who's willing to stand up. Yeah, it kind of that snowballed was, quickly. Huh? It, the snowball snowballed really fast. And, you know, the thing I, as I talked to these people, I remember I, uh, earlier in our conversation, I talked about how when I went back and looked at some old Facebook posts 
on our on our health department's web Facebook page that a number of the people that were in my group before my group ever existed, they were they were complaining on these Facebook pages, but they were they were not together. And, you know, they might have seen one other post sometime, but for the most part, they felt like they were alone. Yeah. And and once somebody realizes that there's somebody willing to fight and actually take take a real stand, not just pay lip service to a cause, they'll they'll step up and join them. But they for the most part, people need to see somebody doing that before they'll stick their own neck out. Yeah. It begins to become like a reinforcing process, you know. Maybe those first few people that you pick are kind of hard, you know, but once you have that nucleus group and it starts moving, it's really interesting, especially if you, if you, once you pick a good cause, if you have a good cause and it really resonates and you've got that, a good successful nucleus group together, it starts to really pick up steam and it can really like, again, you know, you're a year and a half into this and you've made tremendous progress and you've made serious local, serious difference locally. Right. Um, you know, it, it's, 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 it's moved much faster than you expected, I assume. Yeah. I mean, it, well, it's, it's weird because when you do something like this, you don't know. I mean, heck, for all I knew, 10 people were going to show up at the county courthouse and that was going to be the end of it because it would, it would just be this little group that could be blown off. And that's something that people have told me that they, you know, they appreciated what I was doing or they were, they were very thankful. I said, yeah, but if, you know, you're, you're welcome. But if it wasn't for you guys, this wouldn't have happened either. Because if, if one guy shows up ranting at a county commission meeting, county commissioners will listen to them politely, but that's not really going to change anything. But when one guy shows up with 60 or 70 of his best friends, all fired up about something that gets attention. Yeah. And one of the things, and this is another thing to point out about the affinity group. um, One of the reasons that your group, followed through with the promise to show up that county committee meeting was precisely because you had, I'm not only because they were motivated and committed, but you, you built, you know, an affinity group of people that knew each other and they didn't want to let each other down. And this is why affinity groups work so well is you build a group of friends that they all think the same, they at least agree on some important principle and they don't want to let it like, you know, it's one thing to let down a stranger but it's another thing to let down your friends. So you build this thing and people, so many people followed through and showed up because they didn't want to let down their friends. And that's a part of it that people like, it's never just complete internet rando. When you, when you deal with like an internet rando and no one knows each other and there's no real community building that's happened, people are, you're you're not going to get a representative selection of the community. You're not going to get necessarily reliable people. But if you build it, if you take the time to build this solid group of people, um, this affinity group of people, you know, which have some shared beliefs and causes and, you know, they're part of a, a community and there's that that concern and care for each other. They're going to continually follow through like you saw. And that's, that's the, really the key it. thing I want to make explicit was that's why it worked. It. Yeah. They every, the the vast majority of people you know that whole everybody's six degrees of separation away from knowing everybody in the world or, or whatever the saying is uh this is something where the vast of those 300 people most of us were just one degree of separation away from knowing that person of yeah. of all of the people in our group if it, if it wasn't oh they you know their kid goes to school with my kid or they go to the same church as me or that's so-and-so's cousin, 
um, it was, it was, you know, there was a pretty tight connection between everybody. And, and I think you're right. We, we kind of had an inherent advantage because our, our community was just the right size that we were, we were big enough to get a good group of people, but small enough to have pretty noticeable effect versus some huge metro area that's so much harder to get to um, to get a, a cohesive group together that can that can accomplish something. Yeah, no, and that's that's a huge part of it. And part of it is just you know finding some cause, finding some sort of uh, way to filter everyone out, and to have that find that connection, find the connections that already exist. Um, and then build on those and people will be a lot more reliable than just somebody you met on Facebook um, that may have no connections other than that. Um, do you have any last, like any last things you want to say for the people that are listening? The, I guess the, the final bit of advice, if anybody's interested in doing this is figure out how to get involved just by yourself, if nothing else, and then, and then go do it. And don't go in thinking that you're going to be the, the guy coming in flipping tables over because that's, that's not how it's going to work. You, you need to develop relationships first. Even if, even if the people who are running the show right now are doing stuff that you don't like, just get in there, get involved and learn where you can help a little bit to maybe move the needle and then slowly get more of your friends involved. You'll, you'll, you'll learn who the people are who agree with you, who the people are that don't agree with you and who the people are that hate your guts very quickly and then start to figure out how you can start to cause the change that you want to have happen. But you're not going to do that. If you come in like a bull in a China shop, you have to go in calmly and just willing to help. That's the, that's the number one thing this I've been involved in all kinds of different organizations from gun clubs to this, to, to other stuff. And across the board, the people who just show up willing to help are absolutely welcomed with open arms even a little bit of help matters. Like not everyone has to basically jump in and build a massive order build the organization. Like granted, sure. you put a lot Absolutely. of work in, but not everyone has to go that far. Like there are people, like there's people in your group who may, you know, they, they may be only peripherally involved, but the little sure. bit they do helps. Like you, and, and that's stuff. what I've, 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 I've told exactly. And I've, I've told everybody in my organization that, that whatever you can do is awesome. We've, we've got people that help with graphics. Maybe we have people that just help with a few phone calls or, you know, just um, help ed, help manage the Facebook page. Just something where they can help, even, even if that's just on the side. And maybe maybe that's they show up at a, at a county commission meeting or a city commission meeting or a school board. Um, maybe they give they give one two minute speech at a school board one time um, or they're just there wearing a shirt to, to yeah. give numbers to whoever is talking, but yeah, just that's, anything. That's a huge thing. Just like, like if I want to spend an hour, like I don't have, I don't want to, maybe I don't want to be the County chair. Maybe I just want to spend an hour a week making phone calls. Maybe I just want to go stuff envelopes. Heck yeah. Helps. Exactly. Stuffing envelopes. We, yeah. We've had, we've had people that were just helping. Hey, let's, let's make some signs for our protest. Yeah. Where we're just and, taking pieces of cardboard and, and drawing and painting on them. Yeah, that stuff adds up when you have like a couple hundred people, even if like half of them are only like making phone calls. Like if you've got 300 people in a group and 100 of them, you know, they just want to show up and speak twice a year or they want to maybe make like phone calls for an hour twice a month. That's still like 200 hours of phone calls a month. 
you know yeah. these, these things are cumulative and it seems small and it may be small but like if you've got a lot of people you know every little bit helps like you know like if every phone call you make every small thing you do every graphic you design every sign you make you know every envelope you stuff is is something that the people who are truly like heavily involved they don't have to do like, right you know, that's huge it's important like you know you've got stuff that you do now that you know not that it's not that that stuff is beneath you but that's not the that's not the area you need to specialize in well and and there're just there there's so many things to do i mean do i if if i'm busy doing something like stuffing envelopes then i'm not busy preparing a call to action that's going to go out to a thousand people exactly yeah it's Get, like getting people to, i mean I, it's it's hilarious now when i when i prep like a call to action email and send it out I had some friends of mine who run a county on the other side of the state that they said multiple friends of theirs were forwarding my emails to them. That's great. That's awesome. And that's what you want to see. And, and, you know, that's what you need to specialize in, you know, this stuff, many hands make light work and yep. you know that makes it one of those things where the people who do have more time to dedicate and who are more involved, they can focus on the specialty things that will maximize their utility. And that's a huge thing. And, you know, it's, it's been Roger, like what you're doing, what I've seen and followed along. Um, it's been truly inspirational. And I've been really, really glad that you've been able to join me. And we've been able to explore a lot of the stuff you've accomplished. Well, thanks. It, it was, uh, it was inspirational listening to your podcast for the last couple of years and, and kind of learning, learning some of these techniques that, that I think really did help me.